Well, it's kind of hard not to notice Suzanne Faber. She is this bright, funny redhead. She also lives right next door. We often will share a bottle of wine together and we have gotten acquainted over the years of just sharing life together and having kids run in and out of each other's houses and um, really walking with her through the, the process of trying to create strategies for her family to live in a healthy way because they have some significant challenges and I'll let Suzanne tell that story. But she has been a light of joy in my life and to have her come and help with our life strategy retreat to console and advise women on their food strategies is just a real life-giving treat for me. And I hope you will grab a friend and a glass of wine and take advantage of the life-giving treat of sitting down with Suzanne Faber. Welcome, Suzanne, to Women, Wine, and Leadership. I'm excited that you're going to be part of the retreat in November talking about gut health for women. So tell all of our listeners how you, who's Suzanne, give us a snapshot into your life, and then how you got into um, studying nutrition. Okay, I am a mother of four. Um, my third one has Down syndrome, so that adds a whole, just another layer of complexity, and uh, pretty darn busy. Um, and how did I get into nutrition? 2005, Alex and William got E. coli poisoning. Alex is my one with Down syndrome, very, very, very sick. He survived by really nothing short of a miracle. Um, but when we left the hospital, we were pretty much told he was 95% likely to need new kidneys when he hit puberty. And that was pretty scary. Um, so as a mom, there's not, I can't control everything, but what I can mm -hmm. control is what goes into my son's diet yeah. and how we live. And so I vowed at that point to understand the impact of nutrition really on kidneys, on health. Um, and so I really started researching. I got a certificate in um, nutrition and lifestyle and wellness from the Dr. Sears Wellness Institute. And, um, and then I began to notice the impact of different food he was eating on his behavior. Yeah. Um, and it's hard for all of us to kind of track that. But when you have Down syndrome as well, any behavior that's not particularly good, people just say, oh, well, he has Down syndrome. But I began to, began to notice that um, when he would have wheat and gluten, his behavior would be off the charts. But if I could Off the it, charts, not in a good not, way. Not in a good way. Right. He would be getting into trouble at school. Um, and we went to the doctors. I tried to get him tested for celiac disease. Um, and we did get him tested. And we were told it was negative. But what they didn't tell us was that one of the numbers that they had measured was, which was his IgG, which is a reaction to gluten, mm -hmm. was was off the charts. It was like, I think 11 is the high end of, of normal. And his, wow. his was over 100. Yeah. And um, so finally, I'm like, well, I'm just going to take him off gluten and see what happens. And I am so glad I did. Because now that we have gluten out of his diet, 
if he has gluten, I know two and a half days later, there's going to be a behavioral episode. Yeah. And he's going to get into trouble. And, and um, what is really interesting is he would always be running a low-grade fever, 99, 100. And then when I took him off the gluten, that went away. So wow. to me, there's no more evidence of his body fighting wow. the gluten. And I just don't understand that how I had to figure all this out on my own. That never a doctor said, you know, you might want to try, you know, checking, doing a little food analysis or tracking his reaction to different foods. Nope. Nope. And his stomach was just a mess after the E. coli. E. coli mm -hmm. And why it was me. The really sad thing is we had blood work done in 2007 and uh, I was told everything was fine. We had that same blood work done in 2010. The same results, that same IgG was over a thousand. Wow. But I didn't know that that had been in the results in 2007. And so he'd gone three years. And the other piece, he was getting pneumonia twice a year. Mm -hmm. um, and then I think we took him off in January of 2011. He's had pneumonia once or twice since then. So he does, he is susceptible to illness more. That's so, typical. So what they actually have found out, this is kind of a side topic, but kids, individuals with Down syndrome actually fight off um, viral infections easier, but they can be really um, badly impacted by uh, bacterial infections. Okay. So um, if you have a body that is constantly fighting an infection in the first place yeah caused perhaps by gluten when you can't take it yeah then you're going to get be more susceptible to bacterial infections yeah that and, makes sense that yeah. makes sense so that was my foray into nutrition and i just became a nutrition geek and for my own health you made changes in your own life oh, too I went gluten-free when Alex went gluten-free, and it made so much difference to What me. were the changes in your own health? Um, I have always had um, problems with my stomach, just really bloated and would have uh, reflux. And I had gone through so many different um, endoscopies and all sorts of things to try and figure out what was wrong yeah. with my stomach. And once I went off gluten... I was able to um, just do things and feel so much better than I had in years. Wow. Um, and then and once I got that out of the way, then it could help me understand how other foods impact. She eliminated me. dairy too. So I eliminated dairy. I had been told when I was a kid that um, I was sensitive to dairy. Yeah. And dairy creeps back in every now and again because I actually find it harder to keep out dairy yep, than I do true. gluten. Um, I'm still working on that. <laughs> but but it enables me to um, really kind of hone in. Um, I also know, probably the same as everybody else, that sugar is just um, really, really bad for our whole systems. And yeah. you can get sugar overload very quickly. Now, I'm going to throw in a little... Um, um, 
I don't know what kind of ball it is, and a ball on the court. Some people who might be listening to this, maybe even coming to the retreat, are like, are we going to eat anything good? <laughs> so when you're working with someone, now not everyone reacts the same way to foods. Absolutely. So how do you help them single out the best eating plan for their life? So I'm glad you said that because... I think one of the worst things that a wellness consultant or nutrition consultant can do is offer somebody a set plan and say, here you go, this is the key to health. Yeah. Because that is not the case. Everybody, everybody deals with food intake and stress and sleep differently than the next person. You're right. So really the very, very first step is just to sit down with somebody and just have them talk about how they're feeling, what do they typically like to eat, how do they do breakfast, what they do for lunch, just to kind of gauge how their lifestyle is going. Yeah. Um, do they get enough sleep? Do they ever get outside? You know, there's all sorts of things that go into it. Yeah. And then really having a conversation to try and start pinning down on where where is a good place to start. Right. Because if you try and do everything all at once, you're not going to succeed. And so you have to figure out what's the first thing you'd like to start and see if that can be successful. Because if you can do one thing and it's impactful and you feel much better, Mm -hmm. you're going to want to try the next thing. Yeah. Um, And so I think that's really important. The other really, really important thing is the guilt that comes with, oh, I should have known, I should be doing this, I should do this better. And blah, what does blah, Donna blah. say? Don't shit on yourself. Right. <laughs> uh, well, that's exa- it's exactly right. Um, I have a friend of mine that I've learned a lot from over the years, and she makes people sign a uh, an agreement that you will not beat yourself up because <laughs> you like soda or you like diet coke or you like this or you like or that. because you broke your your plan and had ice cream on sunday right it's... and the real key the real key to all of this is moderation right if you eat well most of the time yeah. you can tolerate the occasional treat it's just when the treats become a regular right. habit right yeah, and, and human nature is if you're told you can't have something, oh. you're very often going to want to crave that very thing you've been told you can't have. The mind is crazy oh. tricky. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Every time I go on a diet, I put on weight because all I think about is food. Yeah. So it just doesn't work. Me too. Every time I try to fast, all I think about is when's the next time I can eat. Right. Whereas, and, whereas you could have gone a whole day without thinking about it and not even miss it. If I just keep myself busy, too busy to sit down and eat, well, that's not necessarily where we're going either. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> well, I think it's a fun um, conversation to have. And I can honestly say when you came uh, for the afternoon consultations at my last retreat, they talked your ears off and they kept you way past the, the time because women are, are struggling with how to regulate food in their life. Um, what do you find to be the biggest struggle that women present to you in coaching? Um, not knowing where to start. There's so much conflicting information yes. out yeah. there um, that it's a, are you supposed to do gluten? Are you supposed to do a keto diet? Are you supposed to do this? Are you supposed to do that? And then you just bombarded and then you get overstressed and you just don't know where to start. Mm -hmm. And I think that was the biggest thing that I felt from all the women that I talked to 
which is just just tell me one or two things I could do to right. start with. Uh, one of the one of the key places to start is making sure you're getting good probiotics into your yeah. system. Um, there's there's so much science now relating to the gut yeah. and brain health and how they interact. Isn't it like ninety percent of neurotransmitters are generated in the in gut? The gut. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So when we wonder about brain fog yep. or whether we're able to multitask, no, okay, multitasking is a, is a myth, but when we're able to focus on a task accurately, um, a lot of that has to do with our gut health, right? Right. If I mean, just imagine if you're um, eating a whole bunch of sugar and you're sensitive to sugar, then obviously you're not really going to be able to focus very well because your whole body is just out of whack. Hard to form sentences. Yes, that, that, <laughs> yes, sometimes that happens greatly. Oh, I've I've had that before, and and I wonder. Okay, I let's say I'm in. Somebody brings um, my favorite croissants with chocolate inside to the office, and I just can't seem to to refuse and I eat one. And then I realize, oh, I can feel it. I can feel my, my pulses quickened. I'm getting warm around the ears. I'm definitely having a sugar reaction to the sugar. What's the best thing to do when you're in that, that position? Ooh, that's a very good question. I used to think I just need to go take a nap, but that doesn't always uh, work. <laughs> well, really, honestly, in that scenario, I would drink water. Yeah, I flush the system. A, yeah, drink a nice glass of water and try and get out and get a little bit of fresh air. It yeah. is amazing how how healthful just getting 10 minutes of fresh air yeah. can be to kind of rebalance your equilibrium. Because a lot of, once you get into the state that you're in at that point, you've got <laughs> so many stresses then coming in because right. you don't feel good and you're supposed to be doing this and you've got stuff to do. And the phone's ringing. Yeah, yep. the phone's ringing and I should be able to do this, as you said. You should, you should <laughs> yourself. Take a break. Tell yourself, you know what? Um, I'm going to eat a salad next. Yeah. And kind Make of sure the next thing that goes in your yes. mouth will counterbalance that yes. and put some protein in there. Yes. Well, I think it's a, a brilliant kind of segue into what we're doing at the retreat because women are coming to um, figure out what's working and what's not working, basically, to to stop, slow down, and get a, a an accurate view of how do I react to food? What food works well in my body, aside from what tastes good? Right. What food gives me energy? What food doesn't? And then we're going to devise a plan. Um, not just for the weekend, but a plan that we export back into our lives. So hopefully we'll take a bit of the retreat with us. That would be good. I think your your um, part is instrumental in that because um, uh, the, the food is kind of the first thing that we have to tackle in order to get that gut brain thing working. It is huge. I just don't think we understand the impact that food has on every other activity within our body yeah how we feel even how we sleep um how our joints are you know and as we're getting older right in our 40s 50s 60s things begin to hurt a little more uh-huh. and we say oh yeah i'm just getting old but it's really not that we're just getting old it's that we're getting old because our bodies are still fighting things that perhaps we don't need to be fighting we don't, because we just don't know. We don't need to even have a war there. Right. I know. And I eliminated a lot of sugar in my life. The joint pain went away. Yep. Yeah. It was 
kind of magical. It, it really is. It's, um, I went for a while where I, I had constant hip pain mm -hmm. and, um, I'm not exactly sure what I attributed it to, but I got something out of my diet and the hip pain went away. And when I hear people, oh, my hip really hurts, my automatic reaction is, well, we need to sit down and look at your diet. <laughs> uh -huh. Well, my kids are used to it. Every time they tell me something hurts or if they don't feel good, tell me what you ate in the past 24 hours. Right. And right. we're doing that for the retreat. We're going to keep a food diary for the week before the retreat. And, and, you know, food diaries are hard to do for some of us. Yeah. Because our brains are just going at 90 miles an hour. Yeah. They are so incredibly helpful. There's mm -hmm. somebody that I uh, follow because I think she's quite fascinating and she has been very publicly trying to watch what she eats and lose some weight and she has been showing her kind of her diary of her exercise and her thoughts and yeah. things and then she hit a, a brick wall and she couldn't go any further. Wow. And then she remembered that she's supposed to be writing everything down that she eats uh -huh. and when she did cool. that even just the act of writing it down makes you think about what you put in your mouth. Yeah. She immediately broke the, the brick the through wall. the brick wall and lost another five, six pounds. Wow. But she got stuck and it was because she just needed to write it down so she could see what she was doing. Yeah, it's just a mirror and it's yep. not, there's no judgment, there's no grading. Absolutely. You don't get an A or a C. It's just you, the the whole goal is to write it down and then write down how do I feel, how much energy do I have, how, how well is my brain working this afternoon. Yep. How lucid are my conversations? Can I, am I forgetting words? Right, right. <laughs> Which happens in, at my age. <laughs> um, well, um, this is, this is fun. Um, I love that you've given us a little inside glimpse of um, what gals can experience in the kind of one-on-one -on -one consultations at the retreat. But let's say someone's not coming to the retreat or they can't wait till November. How can they contact you in order to take advantage of your brilliance? Um, my really probably by cell phone is better. Yeah. Um, and then, um, um, messenger on Facebook, Facebook messenger. Yeah. Facebook messenger. It's Suzanne Faber. Suzanne Faber. Um, um, I had gotten so busy with family that I did have a whole wellness, um, website and whatever, but I've kind of let that go. Yeah. So I need to revamp. Yeah. That. Life, life happened, and then um, um, I kind of I really have been praying a lot over the last year about um, talents and, and God-given talents and how to help people, and, and nutrition and sharing wellness is completely my passion. And... Um, so I'm I'm really kind of gearing up because to me, to have somebody come to me six months later and say, you changed my life because you pointed this out or right. you pointed that out is such an incredible oh, gift. Oh, right. So, right. That makes it all worthwhile. Yes. So text me. My number is 719-963-9624. That's great. That's very generous of you. I'll make sure and put that information in the show notes too. So people know how to reach you or just register for the retreat and make an appointment to see Suzanne. Then that would be wonderful. <laughs> that would be great. Okay. Thanks. And we'll do this again. This is a lot of fun.
two loveliest sounds in the world are the sounds of a cork popping and the sound of a wine bottle pouring. I've committed the cardinal sin. I didn't ask you the most important question. What is your favorite wine? Um, boy, actually, I don't have a pat answer to that because it depends on how I'm feeling at that moment in time. Yes. So if I'm doing white, I like a very nice dry, crisp Pinot Grigio. Uh -huh. And if I'm doing red, I like a Cabernet Sauvignon. Yes, you have some good Cabernets in your house. I come and ch seek those out every once in a while. But what I have just, seeing as this flows with what we've just been talking about, so I like a glass of champagne or... Sparkling wine. Sparkling wine, whatever. Um, and I began to suspect that the day after... I would be in a grumpy mood. Yes. And um, and trust me, I don't drink enough ever. Well, I do sometimes. But <laughs> most of the time I drink enough to be hungover the next day. But um, I really am beginning to notice that, that my equilibrium just just flips. Yeah. When I have sparkling wine. And I haven't figured out why. But well, it's one of those, like, I'm happy, and then the next day, I am just sad. Well, that's interesting. I've had the same reaction. And we've, we have a lot of similar... Um, remember the, the one time at Bunko when I was super depressed the next day? Right. And you said, I was too. But we had been drinking that cheap jug wine. Right. And it, we knew it was high sugar. Right. And... And it could very well and be. And honestly, I do think that there's a higher concentration of sugar in sparkling wines. We're going to find that out at the retreat because will be Sunday is all about bubbles. That'll be good. Then and we I'm will not go into be drinking the bubbles not, because I need you to want be to happy feel good. on Monday. Exactly. You need to feel better. But maybe maybe we'll learn something from our master of wine on what bubbles are safer to drink for uh, avoiding the sugar hangover. That would be great. Yeah, there you go. Well, there's our wine segment. We'll keep going with this at the retreat. <laughs> Thanks for joining us on Women, Wine, and Leadership. For the next several weeks, we're going to be featuring some of the coaches and speakers from our Life Strategy Retreat in November. These gals are tremendously talented and they're going to give you some insight into why they do what they do and what they're going to be doing at the retreat. And if you're wondering, what is this thing? What the heck is this retreat all about? Go to 360lifestrategies.com forward slash retreats. And as usual, if you want more information on the wines we talk about, go to Pinterest and look up Donna Carlson 360 and find out all the things I have in my wine palace. Until next time.